0: of Oneness? Hi, everyone. I'm Christopher Kakuyo Sensei, and I'm a Sensei of the Salt Lake Buddhist Fellowship. We are an independent, transsectarian, all-inclusive American Sangha in the Mahayana tradition. The Way of Oneness podcast is a collection of our Dharma Talks, delivered at our Salt Lake City Fellowship Sangha. Enjoy the Dharma Talk. For today's Dharma talk, really what I'm sharing are some reflections that um, I'm thinking about in my own personal practice. And that's one of the beautiful things about having children is they get you to think about your practice. In some ways, you wouldn't think about it was just yourself. Some years ago, it was just me and my poetry in my poetry cave. And when I lived there, I didn't have to think about any of that kind of stuff. Uh, Today, the Dharma talk is called Silence the Violence. And the seeds of this talk were first planned that moment, as some of you that have children, when you notice your kid gets interested in some violence he sees on TV screen, and you grab him and try to cover his eyes, and quickly to avert him from looking at it, and it only makes him want to see even more. And they said to him, oh, baby, you don't want to see that. And his response was, yes, I do. I like it, end quote. And I'm starting to go, oh, crap, I'm a shitty parent. Then I started to ask myself, why am I even watching it? Why am I even watching it? And I don't think that's a question I've asked because I love my, my cop shows. I love my espionage. I love revenge movies. Yeah, Anybody here? Yeah, 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 yeah? Some of you like them a little bit? You'll have to admit it, it's okay. And war movies, ancient and modern. I mean, come on, Game of Thrones. How popular is that? How incredibly violent is that? Vikings, wow. Holy moly. And I was reading on one Reddit form, a person new to Buddhism who was asking a question about violent movies, and he wondered should I avoid them and for the most part most of the comments for him were to stop being such a Pollyanna stop being such a purist we have enough fundamentalist Buddhists as there are and just go watch your movies and I think it's important that Buddhism doesn't prescribe for you what to do It's it's not normative in the sense you're bad if you do this, you're good if you do that in the sense of morally bad, morally good I think one of the challenges we have in our society now is if somebody disagrees with us, they don't just disagree with us. We have that within our community, too. So if Donald Trump came to the front door and wanted in, how many people would revolt? (laughs) Almost all of you. And I would welcome him in. He may not last long because he probably wouldn't abide by the rules of our community. But everybody has to be welcome. So, Buddhism doesn't say, you're bad, you're good, that way, but I'm still surprised by this reaction to his question. It was a simple question, and nobody would really engage with him. Nobody would say, well, you know, I see your point, or I see your point, but. They're just saying, oh, just chill out. Relax. Don't worry about it. Go watch the latest Equalizer 2. It was really good. <laughs> and I want to make sure that you realize that Dharma talks that I'm giving is not prescriptive. I'm not telling you what to do, but my own reflections. So in my previous tradition, we were counseled not to watch rated R movies. Anybody know about that? Remember that? Yeah? Okay. And I was living at, in student housing. We had like five roommates. That's the only way you could afford it. We're all hanging out. And I'm watching the TV and they're watching this Rated R movie. And I go, guys, you know, we're not supposed to be watching these Rated R movies. It was interesting because I remember them being the typical blow uption movie. You know, the kind I'm talking about. That's what my friend's son called him, blow There's lots of explosions. And plenty of blood splatter. And I asked him why they thought it was okay to watch this Rated R movie. And they said almost unanimously... It was okay because it was just violence. There wasn't any sex. so It was okay. <laughs> and I remember back then going, that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. And I was perplexed. And I was trying to imagine Jesus sitting in the room with us and going, oh, yeah, violence. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Sex bad. Violence. Cool that he would be okay with us sitting around watching people kill each other, as long as we don't see some full frontal nudity, we're good. Full frontal nudity? Bad. <laughs> Violence? Killing each other? Meh. So I even asked them about that, and they just said that um, I just need to relax that it's a Mel Gibson movie, for flip's sake. <laughs> you can tell that was a while ago. <laughs> so strange it is, I started to think about that, though. I started to think about to be excited, and to rationalize violence as entertainment. Just saying violence as entertainment makes me a little bit... Just, it's weird. You just change it a little bit. Violence as entertainment. And what does that mean, and how does that affect our Buddhist practice? And now that brings me to here. I'm becoming more aware of how much violence I allow into my head through the media I watch, and the games I play, and in the past 30 years especially, the Western world, especially us in U.S., are binge-watchers of media and TV. Just TV, we spend 24 hours a week. Just TV. The average American. In Japan, two hours. They are not watching TV. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that there's, watching TV makes you a bad person or it's going to make you violent, but there is something to be said about that much time taken away from things that are more important. And there has to be some kind of correlation. If you think that the average kid, by the time they're 18 years old in our country, will see 16,000 murders, 200,000 acts of violence on TV, and did you know that cartoons display twenty acts of violence in every uh, every hour? It's kind of crazy. Um, now I'm not making a judgment here, but there's a sense that I'm still trying to process is what this means and what this means to my own Buddhist practice. And when it comes to being a parent, something just seems a little off. <clears throat> to watch my little boy get so excited, Granny game. And be so intense, I'm like going, what's going on in that little brain of yours? Now, I don't think it causes violence. I, myself, was raised by TV. Literally. Sometimes I go by a TV and go, hi, mom. Um, (laughs) And that just kind of tells you how dysfunctional my family was. Uh, But I spent so much time in TV. And there were some good things about TV. I think that a lot of – I watched TV in the 70s, and the 70s were very diverse on TV. Um, And I think there was an openness that I developed because of that diversity on TV during the 70s. If I had been raised on TV in the 90s, that would have been very different. Um, But even when I was seven, I remember this. I wanted to watch World at War and Victory at Sea. Some of you are too young to remember that, but there were these little documentaries they you know, on Saturday about World War II, about the Navy, and about the Air Force, and about war. Oh, I loved watching that crap. Seriously. And my mom said, honey, why don't you watch Mr. Rogers? <laughs> why don't you watch Sesame Street? And I saying, why would I want to do that? Goofy. I want to watch Victor at Sea. Maybe it could have been that there was a war going on in my own family. And in some ways I could relate more to still. But I love that. And I am not a very uh, violent person. No. So, I don't see a direct correlation. Um, But now that I have a four-year-old, and my four-year-old pays attention to what I'm watching, and intrigued by it, it makes me a little nauseous. Now, I don't think watching violent TV makes you violent, though there are some studies that point to an increase of aggression Younger kids. That being said, I know that in my life, watching violent TV has not made me more violent—at least not in a physical sense. But maybe that's the wrong question. Does violent images make us more violent? So far, there's no direct correlation. But maybe it makes us more desensitized to violence, Um, or even more problematic, more fearful and afraid, and therefore less connected, especially to those who are not like you. And the problem with fear is you feel enough of it, violence becomes more possible. As I prepared for today, I started reflecting on my, mor- my own morning ritual of reading the news the first thing when I wake up. And I've been noticing of late how many more shootings there seem to be and abductions and other mayhems that fill my feed. Also in our political discourses of late, there's been a lot of stoking the fear of violence and warning of the pending violence that is coming from different communities. And many communities are living at the intersection of fear born of violence, and others are becoming violent, born of fear. In Brazil, a few scholars were studying violence in some of the poorest communities, and they told how stories about crime in the community did the following, quote, repetition of stories only serves to reinforce people's feelings of danger, insecurity, and turmoil. Thus, the talk of crime feeds the circle in which fear is both dealt with and reproduced violence is both counteracted and magnified. Okay? So, in many ways, our world that we live in is less violent historically than it's ever been. Okay? When you start looking at statistical numbers... Uh, the number of shootings that we see in the country, they're not the highest they've ever been. There's actually a time in 1998 where they were higher. Okay? But our perception, this telling of the story of the crime, our fixation on the violence feeds into the fear of the violence, which I say can lead to violence if the fear becomes too great. And I think we can see some of that in our current society. People are fearful, and I don't blame them. And yet, historically, we are not more violent. With the news media saturation, 24-hour coverage, a 1,000 channels, we are just becoming more aware of the violence that has always been there. Two points. It's not more violent, and we live in a violent world. Mm. And the Buddha understood that from the beginning. Also, we have to realize, for some communities, the violence that they have experienced for generations, we're now just becoming made aware of, because there's a thing called a cell phone camera. Before that, people would say things, you go, know, no, 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 no. And now with a cell phone camera, half of us still say, no, 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 no. Because we don't want to believe it. We don't want to see it. Okay? We are becoming saturated with these images. Maybe because, like myself, I was raised by TV, I can only imagine all the violence that I have let soak in my brain since I was a kid. Maybe because of this, we have a predisposition to not being violent, but being more fearful of violence. I don't know. I do love this quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. Quote, We are often exposed, if not firsthand, then through films, reading material, and conversations to violence, fear, hatred, meaningless infatuations. Society is full of violence and hatred, which accumulates in the collective conscious. If in our daily lives we do not now abstain from damaging materials and attitudes, the seeds of violence, hatred, and suffering in us will continue to be watered. We need to be aware of what we hear, see, and read every day. Do our associations and consumptions poison us? End quote. So that is the question that I've been asking myself. Like I said before, I don't think that the violent images makes us more violent, but I do think that it makes us numb to violence, and also, more importantly teaches us to objectify the other as objects that we can justify hurting or killing because they are different from us. Because they are bad. Because we do not see them as subjective beings with fears, hopes, dreams, their own woundedness, their own tender feelings because they are not like us. That's what violent images teach us. As long as we see them as inherently different from us, or as something to gratify our needs by, can we ever arrive at peace? The Buddha Dharma has taught me that to do violence to another is to do violence to myself. Here are some of the things I am reflecting on that I want to share with you. Again, this talk is not prescriptive, I'm not telling you what to do, only my own reflection. The Buddha taught, quote, One is not noble who harms living beings. By not harming living beings, one is called noble. End quote. Why would I want to willfully watch gratuitous harming of living beings? There is enough in this world already. Why do I want to add to it? I don't know. Does watching four hours of Special Victims Unit bring me closer to awakening? Probably not. So why do I watch it? I don't know. Here's another one I'm thinking about. When watching a movie where humans are getting massacred, meh, but once the dog gets killed, (laughs) <laughs> or the horse gets killed. Watch out. What is that saying about my acceptance of violence towards humans? Or my disconnect to the violence done to my juicy, delicious hamburger? Um, I love this traditional story. According to the legend, when Avalokitsavara, also known as Kuan Yin, the Bodhisattva and the goddess of compassion, first heard the suffering of the world, her head burst open from pain. Amitabha, her teacher, took the pieces of her head, remade 11 heads in its place, then Amitabha gave Avalokitsavara a thousand arms in which to ease suffering. Do I think Avalokitesvara would want to sit down with me and watch Equalizer 2. She would to be compassionate to me. I bring this up because being a passive observer of the suffering caused by violence, even fictionalized violence makes us numb. The last thing I'm getting upset about is the violence, except when the special effects are really bad, that really pisses me off. That violence isn't real enough. Can you believe it. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm actually saying this. Wow. Just last night, me and uh, me and Lanier are watching a movie it just came on. And the very first part of it was camping. and it looked kind of funny. And there was a really good actor in it. And the more we got in the movie, the more we got in the movie, the more violent it got. And holy crap. And if I hadn't been preparing this Dharma talk, I might have just kind of cringed through it because, you know, it's a good movie. Why do we do that to ourselves? We turn it off. We just said, no, we don't want to watch it anymore. Why don't we just do that more often? Why do we find reasons to rationalize watching what we want to watch? And I have to ask myself... Um, have I ever watched a war movie in which it cultivated bodhicitta or love and compassion? I mean, you can watch a war movie and do that. Um, the Thin Red Line. Okay, there are movies where it is appropriate and it can help develop bodhicitta. Schindler's List. Okay, Band of Brothers. Absolutely, there are times when you can see it, but most war, no, it's about revenge. Inglorious Bastards was a horrible movie. <laughs> I mean, it literally was. It was funny. All for the wrong reasons. But it, it's not cultivating bodhicitta. Because nobody's suffering is unworthy for the Buddha. The Buddha doesn't just say, oh yeah, you're a you're, you're, you're lost cause. Sorry, bye. No. Go away. No. Sorry. Just come as you are. Okay? So what are we doing to cultivate that in our own lives? In In programming, there's a thing called G-I-G-O. Garbage in, garbage out. I think we want to think about that. What are we feeding? What what diet? Are we on a health food diet for our brain? Or are we on a bloody junk food diet? Here's my last reflection. If I numb myself against physical violence, what about subtle forms of violence? Or the justification of violence that I may have because somebody is unworthy victim and somebody is a worthy victim. I want that person to suffer. I want them to hurt. So evidently their pain is unworthy An unworthy victim. We have no place for that in our practice violent media is based on the idea good guys versus bad guys a good story is when the villain is so vile in their villainy that you cheer at their suffering, you condone the violence that do them harm and no you don't condone it, you exalt in it, it feels good for them to get what they deserve in the end the problem is that this is our old way of thinking the Buddha taught Quote, hatred does not cease by hatred, only by love. This is the eternal law. End quote. And again, one is not called noble who harms living beings, but by not harming living beings one is called noble. End quote. And I appreciate this from Greg Frucci. He says, If you choose if your choice is to continually surround yourself with violence, negativity and hate, which are all rooted in fear, then that's what you will become. And here is an insight I've gained from working on this talk, is that being surrounded by violence in the media does not make one violent, but it stokes the fires of fear within us. And that makes us feel as if there is nothing we can do. It can take the vigor out of our practice. And if fed for too long, it can become violence itself. I appreciate this from Pema Chodron. The news we hear is mostly bad news, and that makes us afraid. It can be quite discouraging. Yet we could actually derive inspiration for our warriorship, for our bodhisattva path. From these dire circumstances, we could recognize the fact and proclaim the flat fact that we are needed. Quote. At the heart of the practice, from a secular or a religious vantage point, it is to live a life of intention. This can manifest when we step, when we stop being passive in our engagement with violent images, games, and media. It's about making our heart ready for freedom making it ready for peace. I want to close today's talk with two quotes. The first one from the Dalai Lama, and this is my new aspiration when it comes to violent entertainment, as a disarmament. Quote, Through inner disarmament, we can develop a healthy mental attitude, which also is very beneficial for physical health. With peace of mind, a calm mind, your body elements become more balanced. Constant worry, constant fear, agitation of mind are very bad for health. Therefore, a peace of mind not only brings tranquility in our mind, but also good facts to the body. And lastly, from Gandhi, your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. End quote. So I encourage you in your daily practice to just reflect on this. Ask yourself these questions. Why do I do it? Why do I bring it into my life? Why do I bring extraneous violence into my life as a choice? There's plenty of it in the world to go around. We don't need to add more uh, gratuitous violence in our games and what we watch. I believe it numbs us. It numbs us to a deeper compassion. And, And it numbs us to subtle forms of violence, such as racism, sexism. We just want to look at it and ask ourselves, why are we bringing this into our lives, whatever it is? Why am I putting my brain? That's it. That's all I'm challenging you to do is ask yourself why. And then in you, your own individual practice, you start honestly answering that question. And it's a matter of degrees. I mean, even Thich Nhat Hanh says if you're going to drink, drink mindfully. What he means by that is realize what you're doing, realizing the, the repercussions of this. So the same thing with violence. Let's be mindful in what we're putting into our minds, which is trickling into our hearts and let's observe on how that's affecting us, and let's create a place of peace, a refuge in our minds, where there's certain things that we want to minimize um, so that our minds can be a place of peace, love, and compassion. Namo Amida Butsu. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The Way of Oneness is produced by the Salt Lake City Buddhist Fellowship, an all-inclusive, transsectarian American sangha in the spirit of Bright Dawn Way of Oneness Buddhism. To learn more about the fellowship, please contact us at saltlakebuddhist.org. Our website will give information about meetings and other services that we provide the community. Again, thank you for listening.